If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Well, hi, Marleya. Hi, Patrice. Hey, hi, Courtney. Hi, I'm so excited. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. <laughs> it's crazy. Where have y'all been? Oh, wait, I've seen you. Just not here. Yeah, we've been hiding. In the basement. I had to unpack the basement and get everything set back up because we packed everything up and took it to Romarin Equibo for our... Halloween show, mm-hmm, which was awesome. Thanks to everybody and to everybody at Romero and Corbo for hosting us as always. Absolutely. They're the best hosts in the world and you should shop there. And um, thank you to Randy, who we uh, we did not think oh. at the show. Oh, We're I know. so bad. We are the worst. But Randy does like... Randy's like Roadie Randy now on top of being like Sound Randy. He's Roadie Randy because he like brought all this shit, set it up before we got there and did all our sound yes. and oh sound God. checks and ran it. And then, you got know, no thanks. Just got, got like, no thanks. thanks. It's just like, why look, didn't you do it? Load up way. the band, Roadie Randy. <laughs> no dinner for you. No dinner for you. <laughs> you need to start working on the editing now. <laughs> Where is it? Chop, chop. <laughs> Oh, I'm sick of you slacking off. <laughs> and then as has become our, I guess, our tradition with live shows at, at Halloween, right? At Halloween. Was it? Mm-hmm. We, no, uh, we went earlier in April. Yeah. No. Was it the April show? No. So, no, it was just last Halloween. I guess we should have creepy... Lo- the creepy decorations at rock and roll. Yeah, I think right. it was. We ended up taking <laughs> taking some of our listeners who had traveled <laughs> yeah. to come see us. Thank you so much, yes. you guys. It was awesome to fucking see you, Kelly Ann, fucking Kelly Ann, Ruth us. and Jonathan. Yeah, gifted us the mo- where'd the moonshine end up? Oh, it's at my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not been touched. It uh-huh. is. I saw it today. It's very good. It is lethal. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Is that what we should have drank today? It's, mm. it's like apple pie. We'll have it next mm. week. We'll okay. make it'll it our good. kind of Thanksgiving yes. offering. That's a good idea. <laughs> like, yes. It'll be good for Thanksgiving. Fans that give us moonshine yes. are our favorites. They're our it favorites. Is, it's full. It, the whole is full. <laughs> I promise. Whatever we drank that night. Yeah, is we all. just tasted it. Yes. Um, and then we like tasted it again and we're like, oh, yeah. Can't drink much of this. Oh. No. Yeah. And it we was oh, really good though, smooth. really smooth. And we need to say a special uh a special thanks to these folks who like who came from far away and joined us and in spite of walking into the back and all of us being so super awkward <laughs> about <laughs> making sure that we because we've all communicated so much so like much. on the internet, on back and Correct. forth on messaging and, and stuff like that. And we've met before. Yeah. But it's been years. It's been like four years. And so we were just like you know, we saw each other because, you know, they kind of have to come back through the what we what would be our green room, I guess, right. to go to the bathroom. So, you know, because it's a small space and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of fun because everybody kind of gets to come back and say hi, unless you don't like knowing that there's people there listening to you pee. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but we, it was just so funny because we were like, but <laughs> Kellyanne comes in and walks through and we have a little like chit chat. Ha ha ha. And she goes back in and we all look at each other and we're like. Is that fucking Kelly? Yeah. 
<laughs> so thanks for being our friend throughout well, all of our massive awkwardness. Let me tell you how Marleya solved that problem. Oh, so yeah. I, I was like, Marleya, that was Kellyanne. And she's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, I think that knew. was. And, and so she, she like pulls the curtain aside and yells out into the area. <laughs> yeah, out into the audience. And she goes, fucking Kellyanne. Come here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Kellyanne, man, came in like, am I in trouble? <laughs> but thank you so much, y'all, for coming. Also, big, huge, like... Mwah, to uh, Albury and Leland yes. for just being awesome for the setup for having the store on 10% off mm-hmm. also thanks to Kenneth who mm-hmm. always comes to the show and travels as well yeah gives absolutely us wonderful story um ideas and suggestions and is a big huge fan and a big huge help to us as yeah. well and oh and so one other thing I just wanted to say, and I, I told. Oh shit! What is <laughs> this? Yeah, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid of what's happening. <laughs> okay, so we do go to rock and roll. You know, at close ten ish, eleven ish, and we'll stay. Yeah, out. it's, it's one of those. Yeah. They're like one of the only ones. The only still ones open, open in Aniston. In so. Aniston, yeah. So we ended up there, and I was still in makeup. And I went. <laughs> That's as right. An, an old crone. So I had like the big puff of white hair at the show but i took my white hair off and left the old crone makeup on and just changed into oh, geez, you oh, which me we so also bad. we owe you an apology for this because we were back there and all of us were saying we're just gonna go in our makeup not it's me fine. i never well, did I, and then i was <laughs> yeah. I, owe, I owe an apology because then i went to the bathroom and i was like oh this will actually be really fast and quick and i'll just take it off and i took it off and i went outside and like they'd have closed up the shop and everything patrice comes out and she's like you took off your fucking makeup? She's like, look at me. <laughs> Mine was yes. everywhere. The green and those gemstones kept falling off my face. Uh, okay, I've made peace with that. Right. Okay, I've go made ahead. peace with that. I, for, I forgive y'all. Go I understand completely. Although I still was, had green eyebrows. <laughs> bright green eyebrows. But nobody could really tell. But you could tell with me because I look like a 102-year-old sex worker. <laughs> and so we had to go to the bar. <laughs> an order and so i'm standing there with my card my credit card like in my hand in front of my face like take my money and i stood there for a good 10 minutes oh wow (laughs) and they went back and forth would not make eye contact Interact with me. <laughs> and I am like leaning over the bar as like this old crone <laughs> who I hope is obvious that this is not like my Friday night makeup. <laughs> but I don't think they like maybe have seen people that that would be their Friday night makeup. <laughs> and finally, I got tired of just being totally ignored and I had to go to Courtney and say, Would you order for me? <laughs> they are not give me the time of day so rock and roll Look, let me just tell you if an old crone walks up to your bar and you don't want to be cursed you better take the order you better serve them too they are just old crones and or 102 year old sex workers are just people and they need We're to fucking too. they need to fucking eat too it's like who needs a beer more than a 102 year old crone sex worker I'm gonna tell worker? you though I haven't listened to the episode from 
the live show, but I know multiple times throughout, I was like, I can't look at you. Stop looking at me. <laughs> I know. She was we really. Were like, but you were in the middle. And so job. she was facing me when you were talking. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time she's just staring at me. I'd be like, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't, I can't. You know, you scared me so much. It was really just, so scary. I believe. I believe I was born an old crone. <laughs> I believe that that is my true, like, inner child is the old crone. And so I was really just living my best life. It was just the dark around the eyes. And it was just like, like you were like scowling the whole time. Like I said, I have a natural scowl. (laughs) I do. That's why I'm saying. Oh, my God. Tell me I'm lying. I do. And, and like so, me smiling smiling's my favorite oh my god <laughs> not that way <laughs> so i was living my best life Ooh, i was scared and <laughs> i just look forward to one day my hair actually being like my wig was <laughs> well so that i can go move into the hills and scare little children we, we also need to remember we were so way early for Halloween. Anybody this week going in? Oh, like, they'd be re- oh that's true. Friday I mean, it was night, October I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Friday night, last night, tonight, tomorrow night, the next night. Anybody walking in there dressed up, people yeah. aren't going to bat an eye. It was the 6th of October. Do, 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 like, now they had like the, their stuff out, though. They did have their decorations up. We were just out. barely in the Halloween season. It's like old Landon Talks talking about getting your Christmas <laughs> up too early. Like We were ready with that Halloween. We're pulling the trigger early and we're all kind of like it's not even halloween yet like we still have two days i think you're like talking to the audience who (laughs) started halloween in july true true so but i think that could be but 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 in the area yeah places didn't get the message last night i did see i was coming into town later i'd been to a wedding out of town and and i'm driving by the square in a couple of places and i'm seeing people devil costumes you know Mm. like some kind of sequence going on here and there and i was like oh yeah like and there was a couple of parties going on and lights flashing i was mm-hmm. like okay this is the you know it's the saturday night for halloween so right it wasn't odd but like you know on october 6th i'd be like what the hell are these people doing yeah. <laughs> you know, on the square wearing a devil costume <laughs> i think i saw the devil yeah normalize halloween normalize yeah. normalize. <laughs> normalize wearing devil costumes <laughs> Oh, that was fun. It was so mm. much fun. And we look forward to it. And thank y'all so much. Mm-hmm. And be sure to check out the live show. It's in two parts. First, my story, then Marleo's mm-hmm. fucking scary story. <laughs> both of them. I think God. this I think this live show may was have been one scariest. of my faves. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think both of them work together and like they were different, but I think they both hit like a different element. I think it was a good one. Which brings really me one. to that cemetery after. Oh, oh, you should yeah. say that. You should tell about um, and that. And I haven't posted these pictures. And I'm going to tell you, it kind of stuck with me. Marlena knows this. One night I was like, I am I think I'm going to delete these pictures from my phone. What? Two nights later. Okay, so that was Friday. So either the next day. Yeah, Saturday. It was Saturday, the mm-hmm. next day. Mm-hmm. Saturday the 14th. I ended up back no. in. the oh, 7th. I seventh. ended yeah. up back in Oxford, just right near Romarin, right across. Like, it was on Highway 78 on Ho- in, uh, in Oxford, Oxford, Oxford Alabama. Alabama. So I was going to the Center of Hope thrift store there. I was helping Randy shop for the show. I was like, I want to go thrift store shopping. All right, good. Give me. I know, a list. and I was and like, I'm thank like, God, because okay. I'm bad. I at this. love it. I'm so. I so think I'm good. Talk at it. about the show. I mean, the the theater show theater here show. at yes, the right. university. So he's the costume designer, and he was getting some pieces, d- different thrift store kind of things, trying to see if they're there. To mm-hmm. you know, and um, I was like, I want to go do that. So we're there. And it's right next to Romarin. And as we're leaving, I'm used to driving through that area. I'm always by myself. And so I'm rarely in the passenger seat is what I've realized since. 
but we're driving down 78 toward Romarin from the bypass. And to my right, I, all of a sudden, I just see tombstones out in this random field. They're old. They're falling down. It's, and there's a sign. And the sign is labeling the cemetery. And I'm going to have to pull it up. I can't remember the name. And I was like, hold on a minute. Have you ever seen this? And he was like, no, I don't know what is. And I was like, there's a cemetery right there. So long story short, that after we go to the thrift store, I want to go back. We go back and it is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. There are the trees that had been overgrown, apparently, and been forgotten. And roots have grown up. Tombstones have fallen over. There are some that have roots up under them that's lifted them up. Some were kept pretty well. You could tell people tried to get to those. There's a small little road. It's right on the edge of the railroad tracks. So we're walking through. It's a big, open, beautiful fall day field. There's cedar trees left everywhere. So there's some trees. And I spot out of the corner of my eye, I was like, what am I seeing over there? And it was a baby. And I was like, am I really seeing a baby on a grave? And I was like, am I seeing that? So I start walking toward it and I was screaming, Randy, do you see what I'm seeing? He's like, what are you talking about? Look over here. There was a baby doll and it it had to be, it had been there for a very long time. Yeah. The grave Mm -hmm. was from the 70s from Mm -hmm. a, a baby that died the same day they were born. And the doll was I mean, straight out of a horror movie. It was terrifying. Straight out of yeah. a horror movie where the eyes didn't match these anymore. Pictures yes. Oh my god! The eyes didn't match anymore. It had. It was smiling, but it was black all around it because it was so weathered. Mm-hmm. But it was like a plastic doll that was kind of like one of those real kind of looking baby dolls. You know, it also like, had a very like creepy. It look was grinning. In its face, it was like grinning, know? showing its bottom teeth and. It had been there so long that there were vines like growing over its le- Ooh, over its legs and that. its arms. Right here it is. And I was like, "What oh, am I seeing?" God. And so I was like, "Yeah." The yeah. vines look like they have shack. The baby is shackled. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's that's creepy. It's and, creepy. And so we learned um, that it is a cemetery that had been abandoned, like had been forgotten, and it's called Oconee. And now it's on the register of landmarks and heritage um, because there were some freed enslaved people there um, and, and some white people there. It was a, it's a mixture. It is historic. Some there most likely we were because there was just empty spaces with no gravestones. Most likely there were graves there and we were walking on them and didn't know because most of them, even these from the 70s, you saw how that one was. Oh, right. It wasn't so like a real tombstone. Yeah. A lot of them were hand etched too. You yeah. know, even in the 80s, like it was kind of where people probably didn't have a lot of money and didn't have the ability to buy like the fancy tombstones like or whatever. Marble. But then yeah. some are there and they're really nice and mm-hmm. well kept and it's a whole family. And so I think it was you, Patrice, found the article. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the Aniston Star that had talked about it. So it's just been kind of preserved since 2020 i believe or 21 given to it. 2021 mm-hmm. that's why we've never seen it but i was just like am i having like am i having a stroke yeah like <laughs> what is i feel like i'm having a flash like some kind of i've gone into another world i'm like this was not here right. there's no way i have missed and this for 20 years we just talked years. about cemeteries exactly it's it was right, right after you the did the cemetery hill story of her cemetery story and i text immediately i was like i have a cemetery like yep. you know somebody's got to do this story maybe it needs to be me i don't know but mm-hmm. i was just like i could not believe that i found it that very next day after and i and i think we asked uh, aubrey too and she mm-hmm. didn't know that it was over there either right so it's, it's in a very kind of commercial area so mm-hmm. it's just out of place yeah it's it like a fireworks stand and a yeah. car wash and yeah. a lowe's and a 
Yeah. yeah, and they just they had let everything grow up so much that you hadn't seen mm-hmm. it because they had just taken down some of the trees, right? Yeah, it was so that big, could... beautiful cedar stumps were there, mm. and there were still a lot of cedar trees there. But I mean, it was just crazy how it had overgrown, and the roots had just pushed up. The I mean, I'm I don't know how much it could have pushed up other things, but like the tombstones were all knocked over and mm-hmm. mangled, and yeah. Mm. So that was the cemetery story. Oconee, mm. and look it up, Oconee. Oxford, Alabama. O c o n e e. Cool. That's we also, we, yeah, we've, we've done some other things, too. So ch- be sure to check out the B-side of yeah. this episode, and we will go into our haunted house story. Full Halloween oh, season stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've really done it up this Halloween season. We, we totally have. forgot about that Halloween. until we were just talking. We've Halloweened it. We have. Well, uh, you guys ready for a story? Yeah. yeah. Okay, take a quick break, and we will do it. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us, or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get free swag, extras, exclusives, and a discount on merch. You can find links to all these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode. Strange South t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and other goodies. See you there. I'm gonna it's use gonna that fucking our, name. It's gonna be our side project. Murder of Crimes. I think it's an important. It's an important social. It like, is. It's a PSA. It's a PSA. Absolutely. Maybe we should just start doing it as a every episode we do one PSA From, about the things that are gonna happen to you. Right. When you age. When when your old crone self becomes yeah. of a certain age. That's gonna be it's gonna be our segments. It's it gonna will be the be. murder of crones segment. And you know what? In even the men who listen to this, they need to be aware of what happened. What happens. And if they don't care and if they don't care they need to just give themselves a <laughs> Yeah, man. The fuck. I'm yeah, seriously gonna lot. sit there and do kegels the whole time I tell this now. If I make ah, weird faces, I'm gonna make weird faces all through. And you're like, no, don't think about it. Just do it. I'm not even sure I'm doing them right. I'm gonna have to watch a video. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't think they can really show you. Didn't they, isn't it just do. like try and pretend like you're trying to stop peeing? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Do you do you know this? Yeah. You know this already. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I figured it out a while ago. <laughs> I think right. I know what's happening. I, also, I haven't watched a video, though. Right. Let me get a TikTok up and make sure I'm doing it right. Also, <laughs> if you're like male and under the age of 18 and listening to this, stop. Fast forward like 15 <laughs> seconds or so because I got to talk to my women out there. <laughs> okay. To my future crones out there. It's that muscle that when you have an orgasm mm-hmm. that goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It's that muscle. So... Okay, I got that. I got that. I okay. got tabs on that. <laughs> so if you want to like pinpoint, you working it. You want to figure it out. I'm working. So does this mean though? Does this mean mm-hmm. that if you have more orgasms, you don't have to do as many kegels? I think so. Okay, so masturbate more. <laughs>
I think I think that's I think that is it. And they do tell you that when you go into menopause, you should that, that you should Score. because it keeps things <laughs> it keeps things uh it keeps the blood flowing. I want to give I okay. So this has become the PSA. Maybe Randy can pull this out and do something else with it. I don't know, but <laughs> I want to give like all the props to like Grace and Frankie and all that shit <laughs> about their oh, about their gosh. vibe loop. But for real, like the number of people that I know. The, the number of women that I know that probably have not ever masturbated, and some of them who admittedly have never masturbated in their lives and who who don't masturbate regularly. I was like, it's not, it like, if, if it's a shame thing, if it's a I don't know what to do thing, like, try and start getting yourself to work through some of that because it's right. actually a very valuable thing. It's, do. it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, no, I, I it, might kind of be an expert, actually. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be the segment. Cosmo watching. You know, we didn't even talk. Never mind. We keep going with this. We didn't talk about this. We were we're already on our second one. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wait, let's pause this conversation. We'll talk about our drink. Let's talk about our drink. Well, I'm just saying, as I'm sipping, I'm like, holy shit, we didn't even talk. We didn't. We did not. It's because we haven't seen y'all. I have one job. Yes, Courtney. Well, first of all, sorry, it's going to pale in comparison to the talks that we're already having. (laughs) It's a Cosmo, like nothing big and special. It's really good, except we're on our second one for a reason. Well, here's here's the thing, and it was just probably which led to our conversation of us being pretty blunt and a talk of a new podcast for Crohn's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The death of a Crone. The death of the murder. The murder of a murder of Crohn's. Yes. Like, like the murder yeah. of crows, crows yeah. yeah play on words <laughs> got gotcha Sorry. i got no, it now okay you got it uh what the fuck i was gonna say i do not oh we did a tiktok live on it so you saw how beautiful this drink is with the drippy blood coming down it yes and mm. that is pure honey mm. pure honey and i told courtney that mm-hmm. this drink is an interactive experience because you have to like get all that honey before you drink it mm-hmm. and it's just heart tartness of it so explain what's gone into this. what is happening here? what is happening classic cosmo sex in the city style i don't even know if i've made one before probably i think you have you know they're kind of like cliche by now but they're still good. there's no such thing mm-hmm. as a cliche because, simple drink because it's vodka it's things i love vodka a little bit of cranberry juice and fresh lime juice with cointreau mm-hmm. no triple sec gotta have cointreau for this one for right. real because it's a martini, essentially. It's mm-hmm. just a martini. Mm-hmm. But Marlea had sent me a, um, a Instagram reel a few weeks ago of how to make it look like you're, you know, like a martini glass has like a, a dripping blood down the side. So since it's our last, last hurrah for Halloween this year, probably, I thought, well, let me try that with it. So it's just honey with red food coloring. And you do like you would with a sugar rim. You just do the rim of the glass with the honey. And when you turn it up, and set it up right, it will just ooze down the side it's as pretty a, a beautiful. blood. It is, it is blood it's really yeah. good. Like Check so, out our TikTok and you'll see it. Yeah, oozing. so that with the pink Cosmo in the middle. So it's our creepy Cosmos mm-hmm. for episode 151. And this is this is female talk. So it's it okay. is. Pink's, pink, pink's for girls, right? That's, yeah. Uh, Barbie, I don't know. No. Yeah. Barbie, pink, Barbie. Pink's for everybody. Pink's for everybody. Mm-hmm. But today it's for girls. <laughs> today. Cheers, witches. Cheers, witches. Ching. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right all right 
Everybody's like, get on with it. I know. <laughs> well, Sorry, we did a lot of intro. This, a might lot be, of this might be a long episode. You got work. You got to work, Randy. We Thank love you, you. Randy. <laughs> All right. got to work. <laughs> so I'm going to start this, and I really didn't expect to be talking about this this week, and I didn't expect to be talking about it ever. Oh. I had actually something else entirely I was wondering. Planned. I thought you had this planned I weeks ago. No, I had something else entirely that was like practically, it wasn't practically done. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. My workflow, blah. But <laughs> this is what we're doing. Okay. Yay. So unless you're living under a rock like me, <laughs> you probably know about the documentary Shiny Happy People that was released on Amazon in June. Yes. You've watched it. I have not watched it, but I've heard about okay, it. Okay. You've heard about it. Have you watched because it? Because I've been, I've not watched it. I've okay. been following all the Mormon like. Well, and here's the funny thing. They're not Doomsday Mormons. Doomsday mm-hmm. stuff going on right now, yes. which if you haven't like read anything or anything about the mormon doomsday be sure to check out like previous episode yeah, of Lori Vallow. Two, two or three episodes on and Lori Vallow. Yeah. then definitely hidden true cr- uh crime podcast mm-hmm. go check it out because there is shit going down y'all but yes okay this Johnny, is not so as deep i thought you were gonna go into deep. like okay. pal- uh, Israel Palestine. No, 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 no. If you've been living in Iraq, and I was like, oh no, we can't no, go here. This was today. plenty. Okay. This was <laughs> plenty enough for me. So, okay. This <laughs> documentary, Shiny Happy People, was released in June. So I'm finally. It's October. I'm finally getting around to this because I like I don't you know do things. What's wrong? Oh, Did you drip spilled. on yourself? Oh, it's so sad. Is it vodka or is it honey? It's the whole. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm, you've been. You're on your second one. You can't blame the glass now. <laughs> we should have we gotten the orca. All right. I'm sorry. So this is about the Duggar family. Oh, yeah. That is what you this, did ask Jesus me a Christ, question about them. This. I did. I can't do this. They are in Arkansas now. They are in Arkansas. They've always been in Arkansas. Oh, see, I didn't know that they were always in Arkansas. Okay, so you guys are in the same boat as I am probably then. Okay. So I watched some of it back in the day on Discovery or TLC or whatever it was on. Yeah. Okay, so the Duggar family was a star of um, TLC's 19 Kids and Counting. It was TLC, but which is owned by Discovery Channel. I thought it was TLC. Yeah. And, um, it was previously 17 kids and counting and 18 kids and counting. Yeah. And then, and yeah. Um, before that, there were several hour long documentaries on Discovery Channel. But back when Discovery Channel was like purporting to be an actual, like, we talk about health and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So the hour long specials on Discovery Channel were kind of about more, I don't know, I guess more academic, you know, social mm-hmm. health kind of things a little bit. But the focus, the 19 kids and counting focused on the very large and to all appearances perfectly well adjusted fundamentalist family of Arkansans, Arkansans, <laughs> Jim okay. Bob and Michelle Duggar. My God, what a name. So I forgot the, his name was Jim Bob. Jim yeah. Bob. Jim Bob yeah. Duggar. I remember what he looks like now as soon as you're Big talking about it. They're coming Jim. back to my yeah. memory. Duggars were and are uh, independent Baptists mm-hmm. and independent Baptists tend to be stricter and more fundamentalist than Southern Baptists. I know this from experience. A friend of mine, I was at her house trying to help out with some stuff. She's getting ready to move and... Um, we got into a conversation about this. She's one of the many people that told me to watch this documentary. And she sat there and tried to name all the Duggar kids while we were talking. And it was like, it was hilarious. She just kept on, because they're all named with J's. Yeah, Everybody's got like a Josiah, J. Josiah, Jeremiah. Yes. Yeah, I remember all that. And mm-hmm. so, and it was like trying to say all this, you know, have you ever tried to say all the seven dwarves without yeah. messing up? Yeah. It's impossible. There's something like in your brain that stops you from saying all this. Or... 
Okay, this is one I've learned. I don't know if I've said this before, but if you try and do the Family Ties theme song or the Growing Pains theme song, one right after the other, it's impossible to do. (laughs) I challenge you. And if you add Silver Spoons on top of it, fuck you. There's no way that that's ever going to happen. You can't do. So it's the same with their names. You Like there's 19 kids and I could read them all out to you and I'm not going to. Thank you. All of them start with J. I never watched 19 Kids and Counting. I never watched. What was the other one? Uh, who John was, and Kate plus John eight. John and Kate plus eight. I watched, I watched that. So I never watched any. They of weren't fundamentalists. They were just like, uh oh. They were just yeah. heard, like, <laughs> <IFV> <laughs> gone wrong. <laughs> they were just IVF gone wrong. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> so because we didn't. So this was happening from 2018 to 2015. No, 2008 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Cosmos, y'all. So we didn't actually even have TV during part of this time. And it was happening during my childbearing years and my child rearing years, young child. So I was like all PBS Super Y and Word Girl at this time. So I I didn't watch anything. Word Girl. Um, But I also didn't really have any interest in it. You know, I don't think I would have watched it, but... I knew about it in general because little it was people, impossible. big world was on the same time too. Mm-hmm. What is is that? What the is that? Small people, the Just, little people, the small oh, people. family. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. no, I didn't know that either. But it's like it was impossible to not know something about the Duggar family yeah. because everybody else seemed to be watching it. It was like a cultural powerhouse sort of thing. So I knew that there was a show about these people and all these kids, and that at some point there were allegations of sexual abuse involved in the show. And that the show got canceled. And that's pretty much everything mm-hmm. I knew about the entire thing. But this documentary comes out and, you know, my friend is telling me to watch it. And my kid, of all people, is telling me to watch it. I'm like, this is weird. And one night I'm just sitting looking for something to watch by myself after my kids go to bed on the odd chance that I'm actually still awake. <laughs> which is shocking. So I think about this one and I just hit play on it. And in the intro, they're talking about a lot more than the Duggar family from Arkansas. They're talking about this fundamentalist Christian group that's behind the Duggar's lifestyle and how there's a they're a cult and they're planning for like fundy world domination. And I'm like, damn, all right. And then uh, less than three minutes in, and this is like before the opening credits even roll, I see a face that I know. <gasps> what? And I'm like, oh, this feels really weird. You know this? No. So it's the face of Bill Gothard, who is the founder of the Institute for Basic Life Principles, which began as the Institute for Basic Youth Conflicts. This is the group behind the beliefs of the Duggar family. And I knew it because I've watched a shit ton of Bill Gothard's videos. (laughs) Because until a few years ago, I had the textbook for the Institute of Basic Life Principles from your church seminar on my bookshelf. From your church, and it Tons? was yeah, and it was a it was a like it was a rusty brown red hardbound pretty cushy book, and inside there's chapters on each of the seven principles that you're supposed to live by with drawings and charts to illustrate each one. And I've studied these, and here on the show, not they're for saying, the show, like just no, for your life before for my life. Show. And so here on the show, I'm seeing this guy, and I'm like, they're saying this is a pretty serious cult, and I'm like. Were you part oh of the my cult? God. I wasn't, but I was adjacent. <laughs> you were cult adjacent. I was cult adjacent. Wow! And even you though funded a cult, if you bought that book, man. I didn't buy it. Oh. But I know. So it was I don't. Gifted to you. In I the actually don't have. I, it was actually, <laughs> and I don't have the books anymore because several years ago, like we were going through our bookshelves and our bins of all the stuff, and we were like, we found all of this stuff that we used to do. 
And the, a lot of it, like we just donated to the the thrift store because we're like, you know, it's going to go where Christian books go to die. You know what yeah, I mean? Like right. there's that huge section in every Southern bookstore or mm. thrift store where like everybody turns in their old Bibles and their old Bible study books. But this one we actually threw in the dumpster because we knew when we threw it away that we couldn't put it in the hands of somebody else. Oh. So we already knew even though, really? you know, I was like, I don't think this is okay for me to give to the thrift store. And I didn't really think much more about it, but we both agreed on this. So there was some feeling in there that was like, this is maybe not the best thing that I've ever done. But at the same time, I'd never heard them called a cult. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of threw me for a loop to see it. And I, like literally three minutes into this thing. Right. So before I get into all that, the gist of the strangeness of the Duggar family. I'm actually really kind of glad that you guys weren't like super into it because I didn't know anything. I just assume everybody else already knows this. I mean, shit. I watched it enough to, a few you know, times. they raised the, the kids were raising each other, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, who had what chores and which kid was. And that, the, in I charge think that was a lot of it, right? The logistics. Of, yes. Yeah. Logistics. Like, how did yeah. they manage a family mm -hmm. with 19 yep. kids? How many loads of laundry? You know, which exactly. kid was yes. trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had like a buddy system. Yeah, so each... many businesses and oh yeah, they way... had real estate businesses yeah. and car dealerships mm -hmm. and stuff. Jim Bug, Jim Bob Duggar, <laughs> Jim Bug, Jim Bug, Cosmo, <laughs> Jim Bob Duggar had served in the Arkansas. Believe it or not, I didn't know this in the Arkansas State Legislature. That makes sense. Um, 1999 to 2002, and in 2002 he ran for the Republican primary for U.S. Senate, but he lost. Ooh. And there was God. an AP photo of him and his whole huge family of 13, all dressed in matching red jumpers, oh, geez. going to the polling place to, to vote. And it was published at the time it was um, in the New York Times. And so it caught the attention of a producer at the Discovery Channel. And they started proposing some kind of hour long specials like, well, this is we're curious about this. Like, this is a curiosity. So we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how you raise a family of 16 kids. They did several hour long specials over a couple of years at Discovery Channel that were about the Duggars. And they were very popular. And so the family was amenable. And TLC started this reality show about the Duggar family in 2008. So in, in the 17, 18, 19 kids and counting, they basically had camera access all the time. You know, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't 24 seven. I'm sure there were, you know, rules and stuff, but it was like tons of camera access and interview requirements and everything like that for the entire family that followed the Duggar family around and just was, was supposed to be just kind of about them and their life and how they managed their life. And people like super tuned in to this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was one of the most popular shows ever on TLC. Like episodes had 2.3 million viewers at its peak seasons. When Jill Duggar's two hour wedding special aired in 2014, they got a 4.4 million person audience. Wow. Wikipedia says TLC paid the Duggar family about like $25,000 to $45,000 per episode. Mm. And there were book deals and endorsements and all that oh, kind of yeah. stuff around it, too. So they made extra from that. And this is this is shown in the, you know, I'm not going to talk extensively about this, but the children did not get this money. Oh, no. Nobody was especially going the, to college right. on full scholarship. Especially the girl children and mm -hmm. specifying that. Over the course of the show, there's like apparently lots of marriages and courtships and and what have you. There was lots of 
this parental sanctioned courtship was a big curiosity I about the show that people were interested about, about that yeah. because it was basically like arranged marriages yeah it was that the the boy would go to the family and the father not the family but the father and ask for the woman's the, the girl's hand in marriage and then they would continue and do a courtship they they could hold hands there was no kissing. You don't kiss until marriage. You know, so all of this stuff, like, and so this courtship thing, yes. Dating, no. No dating. There is no dating. You right. make no decisions for yourself about who you're going to be with. This is not an option. So I've never, ever watched a single episode of this show. And so I'm I'm starting this documentary. I'm like, I should probably see the, you know, the, the what, what do you call it? Like the, the first hand evidence? I don't know. But yeah, I needed to watch the show. So I went to YouTube so I wouldn't be giving anybody any money <laughs> except <Smart>. YouTube. <laughs> just, you know, whatever, copyright infringement. But I just pulled up the first two episodes of 19 Kids and Counting and 17 Kids and Counting that I could find. And I didn't, you know, there was no choosiness or anything like that. But the first 19 Kids episode was, it was just, it was nothing. No. Nothing stands out about it, you know, but it was terribly boring. It was Josh and Anna's gender reveal for their fourth baby. So there was just a lot of like, you know, cute little tiny kids saying things into the camera that were kind of mispronounced and adorable. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of that. It was obviously very family focused. And um, they they interviewed the mom, Michelle, who just her voice was irritating as all get oh, out. She she's was like very like high pitched. Very. Soft, she was like spoken. a kindergarten teacher. Yes. And Jim Bob always sounded like a politician whenever he mm -hmm. talked. I think I made it through 10 minutes. I was just like, I, this is yeah. not interesting to me. And then the 17 Kids and Counting episode, it was season one, episode nine that showed up for me. And it was oddly also about an ultrasound and a gender thing that well, they're I was always, like, because they're I'm... always having babies, right? It's like the focus of the show. It's families building, right? Mm -hmm. To take over the world. And mm -hmm. then in the opening of the show for that season, if 17 Kids, they said... In the opening, Michelle's voice comes on and says, we have very conservative values. And I wanted to, I wanted to make a note here that like I, I started the story saying like evangelicals a lot in reference to them, but they're not evangelicals. So there was an article that I read that was very clear about um, the, the boundary between evangelical and fundamentalists. It was on Vox and I'll share it in the show notes. All but because right, evangelicals are out to like get you to to be join the church they are and and to like come over to the dark side where fundamentalists want you to stay away and they're going to build within yes it's kind of this but fundamentalists will also try and get you in with them but they only kind of pull from a certain group of people to begin right. with like people who are already sort of sort of like-minded right and um, white. so yeah it's like evangelicals mimic the popular culture in order to draw more people in mm -hmm. and fundamentalists separate from the popular culture. Righteous gemstones. Yes, exactly. Yes. Evangelical is the righteous gemstones. It's like if your church has a rock band, it's an evangelical church. <laughs> so, but so, I know, right? It's just, oh, that was that joke from South Park where they say all you have to do to be a, a Christian band is to replace uh, Jesus with baby or no, to replace baby, <laughs> baby with, with Jesus, Jesus. And then you're a Christian band. But the intro goes on to say she she says we watch very little television. We closely monitor the Internet. We have school around our kitchen table. And, you know, they prey on the show because I was one of my big questions was like with this documentary, I was like, how overtly Christian or political or whatever were they really on the show? And they were overtly mm -hmm. fundamentalists. Oh, yeah. 
you know, it goes beyond they prey on the show. In the episode that I just happened to pull up, so I'm assuming that it's not, you know, an anomaly because it was random, but they go to the Creation Science Museum in Kentucky, which, and they interview Ken Ham, who was the founder of the organization Answers in Genesis, which I also know about because I've watched videos <laughs> of Ken Ham talking about Answers in Genesis. Oh my God, Marley. And he's the guy behind the Ark Encounter that they built in Kentucky that I think mm-hmm. we've talked about maybe a little bit before. It's the Anti-Evolution Creationist Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a long section in the show about how creationism is, how they believe creationism, right? Science backs up what the Bible says, which is patently untrue. And they do, to their credit, do a couple of interviews of people that disagree. And, but they kind of leave it with a to each his own kind of thing. And then they go back to the creationist standpoint. So, you know, it's like Adam and Eve hanging out with dinosaurs. And I will tell you, the thing that pissed me <laughs> off the most about their coverage of the Creation Museum is that they used the fucking soundtrack from Jurassic Park. Ah! And then they perverted it into like a hymn at the end. And I was like, this is sacrilege very very upset i was so mad i know exactly you've got it you've got it jesus 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 so so yes christian fundamentalism was front and center have more to drink yes and people watched the hell out of it. And I'm oh, like, yeah, they did. did they watch it because they were curious? Did they watch it because they were into it? Did they watch it because they agreed or because they were like, just like, what the fuck is this? You know, is this real? I didn't watch it because I agreed with it. I don't even know. It was the time. I feel like it was more than before 2014. You know, it was that like emerging all everything's reality TV. Yeah, like every, it was. 2000s. It was the big. Think, it was 2008 to 2014 okay, so or 15. I, I probably watched the first ones. Because again, the John Cage that idea of the big people reality, little, little people, big world, mm-hmm. the all you know, real world had been on for a long time by them. Big Brother and mm-hmm. all the things were going like anytime you could watch people just living. I don't know why. I mean, I'm over it now, but yeah, but it was a novelty at the time. Yeah, you know, so we hadn't done it before. Well, I think it, was, it. I think it meant different things to different people, obviously. Yeah. But I think the large like it was. For a lot of people outside the South, yeah. outside of this idea of fundamentalism and of large families, it was such a novelty. Yeah. And it's like, how, like, I think it was more like the logistics. Yeah. Like, how the hell did, like, first off, how did you have 19 kids how do come you out manage? of your body? Yeah. No These shit. How, no shit. How do you schedule 19 people? That woman's uterus literally just falling right prolapse. out. Prolapse. She is prolapse. On the floor. There's no way she's, there's no prolapse. way she can kegel her shit out of that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like, I know these are real humans, but I just, you know. Well, I mean, they have a minute. They did pick their road. So for seven years, this this show basically owned TLC because it was the thing everybody oh, yeah. watched until 2015 when it came out that there were problems with Josh. Mm. So Josh, the oldest son, the oldest son, mm-hmm. was um, at I the time him. in 2015, he worked in D.C. as executive director of the Family Research Council, which was a quote unquote family values, quote unquote think tank lobbying group. Oh, Jesus. Um, the Duggars started being approached with complaints about Josh from the time he was 14. And apparently some of these behaviors dated back to when he was 12 years old about touching children inappropriately while they were sleeping this was even before the first Discovery hour-long special was aired or filmed, I think, actually. 
And it wasn't just one child. This was multiple children that he had inappropriately touched. Mm -hmm. Um, Two of them were his sisters. Uh And it didn't... Who the hell sits he around? I mean, come on. It's not like he's going to high school and like having girlfriends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't look not like, make an excuse for him. But yeah, oh, no. Yeah. It doesn't look like the family really did much about this at the time. So in 2004, Michelle, <laughs> I don't know why I put this here in my notes. It doesn't look like the family did much about it in the time. In 2004, Michelle Duggar was named Arkansas's Young Mother of the Year. <laughs> in 2005, Josh's girlfriends, who is courting for marriage, dad, found out about the allegations about him touching a, touching children. And it is like they always say, like touching minors. I was like, no, they're kids. He's touching mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. right? And found out the, about the allegations and told Jim Bob Duggar, "You should do something about this." Like he wasn't going to tell him until they had gotten married, until the wedding night. Jim Bob wasn't going to tell the the father in law that that uh, this had happened. But he found out about he it found early. out about it. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Jim Bob and said, like, you should have said something and you should have done something about this. And um, and this is in the documentary. So what years is he in? 15? I believe that this outing of it happened in 2005. Five. Five. But it occurred in 2002 and 2003. So before the show ever started. The show started in 2008. Okay. Wow. So they they sent Josh to a facility in Little Rock for a troubled boys that was run by the Institute for Basic Life Principles, which was Bill Gothard's organization, which, you know, I told you at the beginning I had studied. He stayed for a short while and he worked there, but then he got checked out and he came home and he never underwent counseling by a trained counseling professional. And the, the family just kind of closed ranks around him. So at the time, the two sisters who were named in the suit or named in the police report about this were told to just do interviews on Megyn Kelly that were defending their brother, which is horrific to me <laughs> that they they in basically what year they were doing Megyn Kelly interviews. Yeah, I feel like uh, I think this was also 2006, okay. maybe. OK, TLC uh, didn't find out about all this, though, until no, no, no. All this happened in 2015. Okay. TLC found out about this in 2015. Mm-hmm. This is like years and years and years yeah. after. It's like almost a decade yeah. later. They uh, they canceled the show in 2015, but they did a spinoff, which was, I don't know, I want to say ironically, I don't know if that's appropriate, with the two sisters who had been like inappropriately touched by their brother called Jill and Jessa Counting On. And that show started in 2016. And then in 2021, that show was canceled because... Older brother Josh had been arrested and convicted in 2021 for possession of child pornography. Oh, and it wasn't oh just child God. pornography. It was torture porn. Oh, shit. Oh, it was shit. bad shit. So the episode that I watched of the 19 kids and counting where it was Josh and his wife finding out the gender of their fourth child. And that made it very, very mm-hmm. awful to watch. Gross. You know, yeah. it made it because I'm sitting here looking at this family that's being that had been torn apart at this time by this man who had made these decisions and had done these things and these children who are without their father. Now, Any kind of sex education, if sex education at all, seems to me very predatorial mm-hmm. and very, I mean, you mean in this, in this kind of group, in this kind of yeah. group, because, ugh, yeah. Ugh. And there's more about that too, but you know, it's like the, so the Duggars as, the show puts them off as these kind of perfect family, right? Who can manage 19 children and everybody's happy and all this, but they're not just sweet, nice people. And there was a um, an article in The Observer that that quoted that the Duggars were good TV. They were good sugar-coated rat poison. 
<laughs> That's a great way. I know, right? <laughs> Not all of this is in the documentary, but Jim Bob ran for state Senate in the middle of his son's criminal trial. The he talking, spouting about how awful the liberal left is and supporting Trump and standing up against a world system that is run by Satan. Jim Bob says that birth control pills cause miscarriage. Um, they all believe in creationism and say evolution is a hoax. Michelle Duggar recorded anti-trans robocalls opposing their local city council ordinance that would allow trans people to use the bathroom that match their their non-birth gender. I'm not going to read the text of the calls that she recorded because I think Fuck they her. would probably be triggering for anybody. Mm -hmm. But y'all know what she said. Um, she signed posters and shaken hands at conservative political action conferences. The family continues to lobby together for anti-abortion legislation. Josh Duggar has been labeled, Josh, who is in jail now, has been labeled anti-gay activist by GLAAD, but he's in jail now, so fuck you. And some of the children have come out and said, you know, and written books. Um, Ginger has come out and written a book. Jill has made statements. Like, they've begun to say, like, we had to kind of get free of this that was this situation that we were in. Right. So this cult thing that created this situation that they were in. The Duggars homeschooled their kids in a curriculum that was called Advanced Training Institute and it was ATI. So ATI was an outcropping of the IBLP basic seminar, which the Duggars had also done. And it was a teaching that was created by a man named Bill Gothard. He's the guy I recognized on the mm -hmm. videos. Gothard's dad was the head of the Gideons. So all the Bibles mm -hmm. you've ever seen in a hotel oh, desk yeah. drawer, mm -hmm. um, his dad was responsible for them. Yes. Yep. Gothard, Gothard teaching, and I didn't know this when I was studying it, but it was kind of a product of its time. So it came out 60s, 70s, 80s, when parents, Christian parents, are looking at their children with a complete sense of disorientation. And misunderstanding because they're like, they are just eschewing everything we believed in and doing something entirely different. And we don't know what to do with that. And Bill Gothard's teaching comes at this time. Punish. It, repress. Well, and it's guilt. parents afraid of what their children are doing. It's a fear based. It's afraid mm -hmm. of what their children are doing and what their children are becoming. And in Gothard, um, and this is a Christianity Today article by Emily Hunter McGowan. She said Gothard had straightforward answers. The answers, he said, come directly from God. So it was the selling point that you had certainty, you had stability, you had assurance amid chaos. And that was what people felt like they needed in those times. So it was a very structured program. You follow these seven life principles that are that are pulled from the Bible and you will have good relationships free of conflict and you will be doing the will of God. This was basically the selling point of this um, this thing. So at the first, it was a very humble program. It had no advertising, 100% word of mouth. It was just Bill Gothard with a Bible and a projector going from church to church, doing his teaching. Took about 30 hours. So he'd spend a weekend at a church and he would teach people these things. He was a, a graduate of Wheaton College, I think. Um, so he kind of went and said, like, I am an educated man. I have all this training. And he didn't have a central church. So as far as like calling it a cult... It's kind of weird. He was from Illinois, by the way. He's not a Southern guy. He was from um, just outside of Chicago. What you look like you were going to say. Well, I, I mean, calling it a cult. Yeah, that's 100 percent because he wasn't part of a church. Mm -hmm. So he was like his own cult leader. Yeah. Going around. But he wasn't. He was also not his own sect. Like a lot of the time, I think when I think about cults, I think about a location, you know, a place where they take you and then you get separated from everybody physically mm. and you 
I think more of a person. It's like You're they, right. They got to have that one mm-hmm. person that's leading the shebang. Mm-hmm. And he was the leader of IBLP. So, you know, he went around, he did all these things as word got out through individual churches. He started sharing these seminars with more and more people and he started getting more support from individual churches and he started building centers where all these people could travel to take the seminars all at one time. And so millions of people at one point Mm. would attend, and this is most likely in the 80s, Mm -hmm. would attend these weekend or week-long seminars. He said, I need 30 hours to to teach you how to live these seven principles of Christ. And that is the end of the extent of what I knew when I started doing the basic seminar myself. So I did it not in person. I did it by video. And it didn't, like the idea of it being this like seminar thing, this was not at all even remotely a red flag because in the Baptist church, and I assume in other churches as well, like the seminar thing was like par for the course. It was something we always did. When I was a kid, whenever I wanted to listen to a cassette tape that I liked, I had to dig past my mom's hand-labeled recordings of the Moody Bible Institute mission sermons. Oh, Moody, yeah. Right? And all these other seminars, you know, the Names of God seminar that she had on a like cursive written cassette tape and the tapes about the fruit of the spirit. And my mom and I, uh, my mom took my brother and I to like lay renewal weekends all the way through when we were in elementary school. In youth group, we did missions weeks where we'd travel to underprivileged neighborhoods and other states to run VBS for brown kids. We did all these camps that were based on Christian teachings and gathering together for big sermons. So this whole like seminar thing, I was part of fucking True Love Waits abstinence movement in high school. And I went to D.C. to plant my little blue card on the National Mall saying I wouldn't have sex until marriage <laughs> with my boyfriend with whom I had sex before marriage. A few years later. <laughs> So the idea so that worked, right? Yeah, I know, you right? Did that mini seminar, mom? I guess she just didn't get into it. But well, your mom, I think, because you, she was, she was working all the time. You know, <laughs> she was working like sixty hours. And I mean, my mom, my mom worked a lot too, but she also, you know, it was like my dad never went to church, and my mom was like kind of very in interested mm-hmm. in all these things. And she was also, she's kind of like me in that, like, if it goes in an academic direction, if it goes in a seminar direction, you know, if we can write a notebook. You know, (laughs) that makes us more comfortable. (laughs) The idea of a seminar didn't raise any red flags, but I started kind of falling out of that shit as like a a senior in high school. And in college, I read the whole Bible and I was like, well, this is horrifying. Mm. And I just quit all of it. And so, you know, I go through college, I graduate, I debauch and I drink. And then, you know, I get married in 2001. And, you know, Randy's raised by Missouri Baptists. So, you know, he doesn't have a similar experience because he didn't get involved in stuff like I did. But he's got kind of similar, some similar background stuff. So we moved to Florida in 2004. And, you know, we've been married for a couple. We got married in 2001. So we've been married for a couple of years. And we both kind of started feeling that like something's missing. You know, we feel like we need to have something meaningful. So we start going to church. We find a Methodist church, which is more comfortable than the Baptist churches because we're like, okay, we're progressive. and we really like the people and we really like the pastor and we, and I'm, you know, of course I'm me. So I immediately sign on to do like a nine week discipleship training thing. You know, <laughs> like I'm like all in, I'm done, right. I'm in, I'm doing it. <laughs> and then there's a class for new members where you stay in that as your Sunday school class every week, where they kind of teach you the tenets of the church, the church like capital C, and then they teach you the tenets of Methodism and all this kind of stuff. So that we became friends with this couple who was older than us, who invite us to start doing a Sunday night uh, study. And it's not a Bible study. It's like a video study. 
So they're like, we just got all these things that we used to use and we've got all these videos and we're just going to show one and then we'll discuss it every night. So we we were like, okay, well, yeah, totally. We'll do that. So we go and we start meeting with them every Sunday night, watching videos and discuss. And sometimes it's just the four of us and sometimes other people come. But we watched a lot of stuff. So that's why I know who Ken Ham is. I know about intelligent design and about the Creation Museum and about like the fights against evolution because we watched these videos with them. I know about David Barton who went and like basically tried to overturn everything that was written in the fucking American Constitution. And they were pro these things? They were. And you were watching these things? Yes. Okay. And they... Sorry, that didn't mean to be as judgy as it sounded. No. <laughs> you like, can This uh, is... So this is why it would took me... This was why it was a toll on me to put this together. Yeah, Because bet. I yeah. sat... Like, when I realized this earlier in the week, and I just sat up one night, and I thought I'm just watching this damn documentary about the Duggar family. And then I'm sitting here licking myself in the face and saying, like, how did I get involved in this? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And... Because y'all know me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does this sound like me? No. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Well, when I when I first like met you as you know, become close friends, y'all were still doing a lot of church stuff that I was kinda like, Oh, wow, yeah. that's not what I would think. Just yeah. to, just to be honest. Yeah. I'm not saying anything against church. I'm just was surprised. Yeah. Right. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's it's been it's been like kind of Baptist a lifelong church. back and forth thing. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised at Baptist church, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always been with Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've known people who that, you know, this couple that brought us into this group, they had been Pentecostal in the past, I believe they. But here's the thing is they brought us into these things and there was a conversation and there was discussion. And I have a feeling that if it had just been we're going to watch this video and we're going to give you some notes and you're going to do these things, we wouldn't have gone more than once. But it was because we actually were able to sit there with them and have a conversation about this stuff. Because, like, they showed the Ken Ham, you know, intelligent design documentary. And we're like, this this is not, like, I'm, there's nothing in this that I believe. Mm-hmm. There's zero things here that I believe. Like, this is absolute ridiculous. And we could have that conversation with them, though, and come back the next week. And nobody's mad at anybody. Mm-hmm. And nobody's upset. And, you know, they continue to believe what they believe and we continue to believe what we believe. I think well, that's how brainwashing starts. <laughs> and that's what's so bizarre. And this is why, seriously, this threw me for a loop. I'm not even, I'm I'm not joking. Like, um, they, the, this couple would tell us stories about, and I had a great deal of respect, especially for the, the guy. And I'm not going to say their names. I may have seen, I may have said way back when, but because he really did approach everything from a spiritual perspective. And like he told me a story one time that always stuck with me where he had gone to a gas station late at night and he had had an interaction with the cashier that made him feel like it was just like a random, here's your money, blah, blah, blah. Somebody said something a little bit extra and he was driving away and he was like, that person was unhappy and I didn't do anything about it. And he turned around and he went back to the gas station and he went back and said, listen, I'm going to sound like an absolute weirdo, but is everything okay? And the person said, like, I was planning on killing myself tonight. Oh, Mm. wow. Wow. And I really do 100% believe that he had this experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I am not doubting this. I've seen, and he was somebody that I respected and someone that I trusted. And he really did actually look at people. Mm -hmm. His wife was a lot more um, regimented. 
she was a lot more interested in like making sure that everybody followed the rules and making mm-hmm. sure that everybody understood where the rules came from and kind of passing mm-hmm. those on. So I didn't really resonate with her, but him, I really did trust him. Mm-hmm. And I still look back at him and say like, this was a quality person. And it's really weird right now to be sitting here like talking about this whole thing because this is a fucking cult. And I really mm-hmm. do believe what they say in this documentary is that this IBLP is a cult. Mm-hmm. And I really would have maybe followed this dude into it mm-hmm. because he was a genuine person who had also been kind of, I think, pulled into a cult. Indoctrinated. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, you know, we we watched all these things. We did the entire seven principles of Bill Gothard. There was stuff they talked about being healed, seeing people being healed, like people's mm-hmm. legs straightening. Like, oh, uh, yeah, they've talked about, you know, speaking. Uh, she would speak in tongues once she I've got really comfortable with us. You have. Too. I know you have. Holy roller churches. There's yeah. a lot of this stuff. She Especially had homeschooled the their kids. Yeah. Walking. Oh, they can walk now. Speaking yeah. In tongues. Those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And um, they had homeschooled their kids. And now that I've seen this documentary, I feel fairly confident that they homeschool their kids under the same homeschool program that the Duggars used for their children. Um, so we spent several weeks. We went over the seven principles. And I realized that the way that I learned these was the way that Gothard does things. He does it through word of mouth. He does it through tr- true believers who come and bring other people in because they've gained your trust. And I don't look at it as something that they did as an intentional Mm-hmm. malignant thing that they're trying to do. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think it's just kind of the way that things happened. And maybe that's just, I found myself fucking defending Bill Gothard in my brain mm. watching this. And I just did videos. <laughs> I didn't even see him in person, you know, grainy old videos. He's this old guy that's speaking. And one of the articles that is that they've written on this is called the cult next door. I think it was in Chicago magazine. And they referred to Bill Gothard as a thundering. He thundered yeah. these things from the pulpit. He didn't thunder. Yeah. And that's one of the really interesting things is I was like, my ears pricked up with that. And I was like, you're taking what you understand about Christian Pentecostalism and evangelicism and fundamentalism, and you're incorporating it into this story. But Bill Gothard didn't thunder. And the reason that I resonated with him a little bit was because he never yelled he yeah. was very soft spoken man. He was very unthreatening looking. Mm-hmm. He um he never raised his voice in front of a crowd. He spoke very calmly and very measured and very quietly and he did not thunder. And his suits were too big for him. He mm-hmm. always wore suits. He I'm always wore black yeah. suits and he wore these suits that didn't fit him very well and he looked like this kind of a short block of a man you know he was square he had a square a head a and he had head. he had dark hair and you could say he maybe had kind of rustic features i guess mm-hmm. but he seemed to me to be kind of mechanical and almost awkward in his movements like he's wearing a brace or like he's very i don't know he just he, he almost looked like somebody who had a bar up his back you know what i mean yeah or some people might say a stick up his ass but he didn't strike me as like the charismatic figure that you would think runs a cult you know what i mean but he struck me as someone that I would trust because he seemed like a kind person. And that really bothers me. Because you were like, <laughs> wait a minute. For real. So the story that we were presented to when we started watching these videos was that he was a very simple living person, that he believed in these things. He never bought a new car. He still bought, he still drove like a 1970s car. 
He never married because he dedicated his entire life to this ministry and that he had very little. And um, I, it sounds like from this documentary and from the research that I've done that those things were not necessarily true. He never married. He, he really was pretty frugal with his personal life, but the, the Institute made a ton a of, of money. money. They yeah. bought a Learjet. His, the rest of his family lived large on the money that they made with the Institute. Mm-hmm. But the teaching was like stuff that I thought that I could benefit from. You know, it was like, how do you love God more? Mm-hmm. How do you do everything you do for, for the glory of God? Everything you do should be following principles that would, would be to the glory of God. And it was about conquering habits and how you handle money, living a debt-free life, dealing with conflicts and relationships and stuff like that. And we didn't have kids, mm-hmm. so we never entered into this children's ministry stuff. You know, we never entered into the idea of homeschooling or any, personally. So it just kind of mm-hmm. washed over. I didn't really get that far when we were studying it. Yeah. I just looked him up real quick. And the overall synopsis on him was his conservative teachings encouraged Bible memorization, mm-hmm. large families, mm-hmm. homeschooling, aversion to debt, male superiority, and female obedience mm-hmm. and conservative dress. And again... Look at me. <laughs> How did Randy take that one? Get in your place, woman. <laughs> I wanted, I really wanted. I asked him this weekend about it. We talked about it this weekend because I was like, what's your memory of this? Because I'm sitting here looking at this He's thinking. Like, like, I loved it. It was like, man is always <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you know, woman, he wasn't. That's he why I'm being funny. <laughs> he could never be that way. I know. But that's why I'm laughing. It's I know. So- But isn't it so it's so antithetical, though, isn't it? Because that was one of the main. So Gothard always said, like, his main focus in his studies was to talk about, like, um, the um, meditating on God's will day and night was the thing that he he said he thought he focused on the most. But really, when I mentioned this to Randy over the weekend, because I was like, I don't want to do this story without talking to you first, Mm because this takes you into account. You were Mm -hmm. part of this. And I was like, do you remember Bill Gothard and the basic principles? And he's like, oh, yeah, the umbrella thing. So mm-hmm. the, the, one of the first principles of the seven life principles that, of Bill Gothard is the principle of authority. And he has this little drawing in his book that's two umbrellas. And the top one is Christ. And the second one is the husband. Oh, yeah. And then oh, underneath is no. the, the wife. And the wife only covers over like the household duties. The children are actually kind of outside the wife under the husband. Which oh, I call course. bullshit. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, and this is... And it's, I, I sit here and look at this and I'm like, I did this for so long. Mm. You know, I, I did and I didn't, you know, and he and I talked about it and I was like, was this, why did we do this? And he's like, cause I think a lot of the time, whenever we did things like this, we were in a group of people where there were always other people who didn't really seem to go that far. Mm-hmm. And so we always felt like we were in kind of a safeish space because there were always other people who were like, mm, we don't really follow that part. Like, join us. I know. I almost feel like I need to sage you. Uh, For real. (laughs) And one of the things that really gets me is that often when I think about this, when I thought about this a lot during the week, and one of the things that got me was I was like, well, this is Bible teaching. And we've always gone to Baptist churches. We've gone to churches that preach the inerrancy of the Bible, the perfectness Mm. of what the Bible says in God's word, which I know now 100% and have known since my freshman year of college is impossible. Mm-hmm. You cannot have an errant word that contradicts itself. Yeah. It is impossible. And yet I continue three times I've left the church three times and I come back and I'm not doing it again because the stakes are too high for me now. Mm-hmm. But 
I just like, I look at it and I'm like, at one point I looked at this and said, well, the reason people are so pissed off about this is because everybody says they believe this stuff, but these are the people that actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Uh-oh. it bothers me that I, that that came into my brain. Mm-hmm. It came into my brain when I thought about it this week Uh-oh. because I was like, everybody says they believe these things and these people do it. And then everybody thinks it's weird. And they're a cult. And they are actually a cult. And I spent the week struggling with being able to say, this is a cult. This is why I had a hard time and I needed a shot before we talked today. Wow. So anyway, so let's get back into the not me shit about this. The, um, the homeschoolers that worked through the IBLP ATI program, all these acronyms, they didn't watch TV. They only watched VCR TV with approved videos from the organization. They made the organization made its own like even games like there were games where you could go to hell or not like for real. I'm not even pretending. But it was like you said, separate, separate from the world. This was separate from everything. Even toys had to be godly. So Gothard taught that Cabbage Patch dolls were evil. Oh, he's the one. Mm, He's the one. He taught that Cabbage Patch dolls were evil because when you get a Cabbage Patch doll, it comes with a little birth certificate certificate and you have to sign saying Mm -hmm. that you are going to care for and love Mm -hmm. this doll. And by signing on the dotted line, you are contradicting the first commandment of love God over all other things. So Cabbage Patch dolls are well, evil. Well, you sign your own children's birth certificate. No, don't even. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's insane. So um, his homeschool curriculum was not a school curriculum. It was a set of 56 wisdom booklets that went through the principles that he believed were appropriate for children to know. And they did not have academic content. So he went through, they would go through 56 booklets a year. And then the next year they would start them again and they would be more wise because they had started them the previous the year. So ev- yes, they would do the same books every year. 56. And I'm horrified because There's there only- is still so many homeschoolers that kind of, this is their. Yeah. It's like the, it's like they're really, it's just their um, religious. Yeah. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Like there's a, but that's fine. Go to, go to a Christian school, go to whatever school mm-hmm. and learn in can, like learn in combination with like you know, but English, this isn't math, even combination science. with English math. No. It's not. I know. It's not. Especially so in Alabama, there's no follow up. There's no. There's not. There's I, there nothing. are no rules. So that, it's all you know for people who are in this type of situation. Yeah, it's all about religion. And the so his organization said basically everything you need to know academically is in the Bible. You can find everything you need <laughs> in the Bible. So, of course, there's no evolution, science, math. I mean, math wasn't even like math was even in question. Um, and they were about these kind of principles and how you apply them to your life. Um, so and we're going to say it wasn't invented yet. I know. Well, of course, there was a lot about sexual immorality. Nakedness oh, yeah. is awful. Nakedness is ungodly. Everything is porn. Your first kiss should be reserved for marriage. Your dates should be chaperoned. So it results in a group of adults who has no idea how to behave sexually or socially with one another. Right. Um, girls were taught to avoid what they called eye traps, which was anything that could even be considered to uh, like uh, arouse a man. So like you can't literally show your collarbones. I mean, like they would go through workbooks that showed you what to dress and how to wear your hair. I'm sorry, but when... Guys, when boys are going through puberty, it's like a filing 
cabinet can give them a boner okay <laughs> so matter. it does not matter like <laughs> like nothing oh matters. you shouldn't be looking like that filing cabinet you're asking for it <laughs> <laughs> asking for it with those junk in that trunk with those handles like that mm-hmm. oh my all god all smooth ready for me to pull Um, there was actually a teaching that rock music syn- syncopated oh, rhythms God. could make a woman's body miscarry a child. Oh, if you did, if you had rhythms that were on the wrong beats, for real. <laughs> so, and I doubt that they discussed this in the homeschooling curriculum because they didn't teach them anything about their bodies or anything about sex that was realistic, other than it was shameful. Other than it was shameful. So, and 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 meanwhile, families are being encouraged to have as many children as possible. So, like you guys said, the older kids are raising younger kids. You know, there's these massive fam- kids are basically women, little girls are being moms at the age of eleven, mm-hmm. and um, discipline was in they didn't show this in the Duggars and I don't know that the Duggars were actually I don't know that this is how they did things but in the overall homeschool program discipline was very serious spanking was very serious they did all of their discipline stuff was coordinated with the how to train up a child book which encouraged people to basically hit kids with sticks until they stopped crying I mean like it doesn't build fierce people it builds broken people and angry people Mm -hmm. and apparently in this kind of narrative, that's okay because God then comes in and fills all your brokenness and your anger with his will, right? But that's not really how it works. So I wonder if, what was the guy's name? John? Josh? Josh, the brother, the older the son? Brush. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if God told him that it was okay to touch his sisters and if he would have said that, if they would have said it was okay. I mean, if you look it up, him a pass. I wouldn't be shocked if that came up, <laughs> to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. Um. Again, me, I'm loving the Hidden True Crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a, an episode on shiny, happy people and talking about all of this mm-hmm. because it's very close to like a lot of the Mormon beliefs and fundamentalist. I shouldn't say Mormon beliefs. I should say Mormon fundamentalist beliefs. Yeah, it's the fundamentalist part that right. makes the difference. Right. And um, yeah, it's it's gross. And it's I mean, these poor kids, these poor fucking kids kids uh i i don't even know like a lifelong going into this and having like everybody you know talk to you like this is how life is you born into this this is how life is this is how life is and then they get a peep of like really this is not how like the amount of therapy and just damage that has been done to these children Mm -hmm. is sickening they should be ashamed of themselves there was a christianity today article that i found that um talked about the the ati homeschool program and said that one of the big issues and this kind of plays into what you're saying is that the um the followers were made to believe that if they did everything at home you know if you kind of close ranks and it's just the family space then you're in this privileged sinless space but it doesn't it was it it gave people the idea that it and according to this article, as long as the parents enforce the rules and children follow the rules, then everything bad stays out there and all the disorder stays mm-hmm. out there. And in here, everything is safe. And it completely discounts the idea that even in the Christian belief system, every single person is broken. 
Mm-hmm. And even your parents have problems. Right. And if you're enclosed in a closed space and they close ranks around you, then your parents are going to end up being the people who break you. Right. And it's like, and it's not, it's just the way things are. And it, I don't know. It's like, There's it's so many damaged people because yeah, of this. So yeah. many damaged people. And God <clears throat> forbid somebody is gay mm-hmm. in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my God. I wonder what like the suicide rates are yeah. for um, fundamentalists. I don't, but are, do they teach so much to like, because I know it's like you're going to hell if you commit suicide. So I, I don't know. I don't know even if they've ever, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just like, no, I mean, I, of, yeah. like how much, how much pain and just mental fuckeries going on being born into these kind of cults. And I think that the key is that idea of being born into is because this one is specifically family centered Mm -hmm. that a lot of cults you're saying like, okay, well people make the choice. They leave their family. They get isolated from their family and they go, but it's almost worse in this situation in the sense that like you're born into it, you're raised in it. And then to leave is to leave everything you have mm-hmm. ever known and understood in mm-hmm. your entire life. And been for told these kids. that everything outside is evil and the devil and Satan. Mm-hmm. And you'd be scared to death. Mm-hmm. Of, even if you're having like a horrible time within this family unit and it's torture and it's horrible. But then to say that outside of this family unit, it's even worse. And I you mean, also, you blame yourself for it. Now, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're a girl, especially. So there are a couple of things like with boys, especially they did, they built training centers in the IBLP that were a lot like when you talked about Camp Annie Wakey, they were mm-hmm. a lot like that. They were right. training centers where the boys were brought to be unpaid child labor and they built centers and that was their form of quote unquote punishment for doing things or whatever you know it was like basically their boot camp that they did right and they had a couple of those um they also created like this weird like paramilitary group that was called alert academy i don't think that's weird at all because i think that's exactly i think that's the beginning of january 6th are are headed Mm -hmm. and um headed yeah Yeah. and it was funny because in the documentary there was one lady who said like you know they uh, (laughs) they alert academy sounds really cool Militia of homeschooled boys sounds a little scary. <laughs> um, but they had a lot of political backers. Um, Mike Huckabee, um, Hobby Lobby CEO David Green. Mm. Um, Fuck. Uh, Sarah, Fuck Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Um, they also made deals with local government to help fund and maintain the centers. The teaching programs got sent into local public schools and police academies. Um, that's so, also horrifying. So this stuff spreads. And that's one of the things that gets me too about like, you know, people think that they're doing a good thing and they spread the word and it's not a good thing. But these, these teaching also sent, set women up for abuse. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying. So in 2014, Gothard himself had to deal with allegations. 12 women alleged in a civil suit that they had been sexually, physically, or psychologically abused by Bill Gothard as children, as in minors, children. And that the IBLP had covered it up. And it, the, over the course of all this like homeschool training and all this stuff, he, he, he would do camps called Journey to the Heart. And he would do all these things. And he would have all like three different centers across the country where people had grown up idolizing Bill Gothard at this point, you know, in the, in the mid 2010s, you know, that their entire families, their parents had built their lives on his teachings, right? So they would go to these week long things and they would bring their children. 
and they would want their children to shake hands with the Bill Gothard. And if he took note of their children and said, I want that kid to work Mm. in my center, they're going to send her. Mm. And so, you know, he kind of went around and whether in, um, I still am saying this, whether (laughs) intentionally or not. No. Handpicked. Handpicked. 14 year old blonde girls. Which is probably marrying age, if you think about it, mm-hmm. like in the whole kind of religious sect. Mm hmm. But but he never married. They're 14 year old blonde girls. There were a lot Mm -hmm. of like 14, 15 year olds. And he would say, you need to come work for me at X or Y Center. And, you know, there was stories started getting around about him letting them wear red nail polish at the centers, which is a big deal because he doesn't let them wear anything like at all. You know, it's like they don't wear jewelry. They don't uh, wear, they, you know, they, they wear, wear these everything. weird, yeah, they wear Except, everything. They wear like roughed collars yeah. that go all the way up to their chin. You know, I mean, it's like, but he's like letting <clears> them <throat> kind of wear a red nail polish. Did and he let them play with his, taking uh, private trips in a van. His uh, and, filing cabinets. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. putting his um you know it, i mean there were people who alleged that you know during van trips during one-on-one um sessions he would touch them he'd play footsie with them he would fondle Jesus them you know in christ and they truly these kids are raised in this homeschool curriculum that taught them that if someone behaves this way towards you it's because you have done something oh, yeah to engender Again, this kind of treatment. You're asking for it, girl. And or um, either this is your God on earth. Exactly. And you let them do whatever it is because whatever they do is right. It has to be right. They are God. Yes. So endure it. Exactly. And so all of those things. And so there was an article by um, Sarah Posner that talked about a, a document that Gothard sent to families of his homeschool curriculum that was called Lessons from Moral Failures in a Family. And it talks about a teenage boy's meditation on his sexual assault of his sisters, Fuck. which he blames on his mother for allowing his sisters to run naked after a bath and for asking him to change his sister's diapers as infants. Oh my God. Something that his family would not have incurred if the family had only applied Levitical law. So it's like, they basically raised boys to say, everything that I do wrong is because of them. Mm-hmm. And raised girls to say, everything they do wrong is because of us. And in the wisdom booklets, the girls are taught about what's in Deuteronomy called the law of crying out, which says when a woman is attacked... If she doesn't cry out for help, then she's as responsible for the attack mm-hmm. as the attacker. There's a Matthew 18 principle, which they taught in the ATI program, which says that you don't gossip, which is extended into the idea that if someone does something transgression against you, then you have to take that to the person only. You are not allowed to spread this news around mm-hmm. to other people or to report over their head. You take it to the person. And if he doesn't do anything about it, then that's in God's hands. So this whole system, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, whether intentionally or not, this whole (laughs) system is built to stop women from reporting abuse. Yeah. And to allow them to be abused. It's fucking intentional. There was, and I'm going to, I guess I'm just going to end with this because I've been talking for a fucking long time. But there was an Arkansas uh, Times article. And the quote in it was that creationists have long complained that a Darwinian worldview denigrates mankind by placing him on a level with animals which you know the deggers did they went to the creation museum mm-hmm. they were like evolution is shit we don't come from apes but fundamentalist christianity they said has a much meaner trick up its sleeve mm. here god says it's perfectly natural for boys to rape girls 
And indeed, rape almost becomes a righteous act, given that it punishes the girl for violating God's ordinances. Darwinism may turn men into monkeys, but IBLP turns rapists into angels. Damn. And uh, I'm so fucking pissed off right now. That is, I guess, sort of (laughs) the story of shiny, happy people. (laughs) Welcome to the strange South. Wow. (laughs) We went dark on that one. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. Can we have another Cosmo? Can we say this episode is how Marleya almost joined a cult? Yes. I guess so. Oh, my gosh. It's as close as I ever got. God. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Please. Don't join a cult. Don't join a cult. (laughs) And we'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Bye.